There's an old saying that the reason some people bash their heads against the wall is because it feels so good when they stop. Many economists would see last week's trade news in the same light, judging that Brexit, the threatened abandonment of NAFTA, and the trade war with China were all populist-driven negatives for the global economy. From this perspective, the reduction in trade tensions in recent days is not so much good news as a pulling back from economic self-mutilation. However, reduced trade tension is significant, and investors would do well to consider its implications when setting investment strategy for 2020. In particular, the result of the UK election reduces the risk of a hard Brexit. Congress appears ready to pass a new trade agreement with Mexico and Canada, and the US and China have reached a phase one agreement on reducing tariffs. In the latest chapter of the long Brexit saga, the Conservative Party's decisive victory in last week's UK election should pave the way for a smoother separation from the European Union than many had feared. Mr Johnson has pledged to take the UK out of the EU on January 31st, and he now has the political power to do so. However, this will merely start the clock on a transitional period of 11 months, during which the UK and Europe are supposed to negotiate a new trading relationship. While many doubt whether this can be achieved by the end of 2020, Mr Johnson has three factors working in his favour. First, the current Brexit framework is based on a deal struck between the UK and Europe in mid-October, which maintains an open border within the island of Ireland, with some checks on goods crossing the Irish Sea. This has removed the most intractable issue in withdrawal plans, and while this will antagonise Northern Ireland Unionists, they they no longer have the bargaining power in the UK Parliament to prevent this from occurring. Second, while some of the leaders of the Brexit movement may have very specific objectives concerning the future relationship between the UK and Europe, most Brexit support has been less about the details and more about the principle of UK sovereignty. With the British public heartily sick of the whole Brexit debate, the Prime Minister may well be able to wield his 80-seat majority to approve aspects of a future relationship that would be opposed by the most ardent Brexiteers. Finally, as is the case with trade relationships in general, Lower tariffs and less regulatory friction tend to benefit both parties, and governments in both the UK and on the European continent will have an incentive to improve economic conditions before once again meeting the electorate. In short, while there are still many steps to completing a divorce between Europe and the UK, the odds of it being an amicable one have risen significantly. A second move towards a lessening of trade tensions came last Tuesday, when House Democrats and the administration agreed on adjustments to the USMCA. The USMCA is the trade agreement signed by the leaders of the United States, Mexico and Canada over a year ago as a replacement to the now 25-year-old NAFTA agreement. The adjustments mainly cover enforcement mechanisms for environmental and labour commitments on the part of Mexico. More broadly, the provisions of the USMCA, compared to those of NAFTA, tend to increase the expense of manufacturing in Mexico and, in the case of the auto industry, increase the North American content of vehicles sold in the US. The net macroeconomic effects of the US MCA as replacement to NAFTA will likely be minor, with some increased insulation of US manufacturing jobs as a positive, but less trade and higher consumer prices as a negative. However, the bigger market positive is simply removing uncertainty on the issue, and in particular the risk that the US might withdraw from NAFTA without a replacement, resulting in significant tariffs and supply chain disruption throughout North America. Perhaps most important for markets was a phase one agreement between the United States and China, announced on Friday. Under the deal, the US agreed not to implement tariffs that were scheduled to be imposed on over $150 billion worth of Chinese goods on December 15th, 
and to halve the 15% tariff that was placed on $120 billion of Chinese goods on September 1st. However, 25% tariffs on $250 billion in Chinese goods would remain in place. In return, according to the U.S. administration, the Chinese have agreed to almost double U.S. exports to China over the next two years, including up to $50 billion in annual agricultural purchases, and also made commitments in the areas of intellectual property and forced technology transfers. However, as of today, neither government has provided full details of the agreement. The positive for markets is that the U.S. and China seem willing, for now, to reduce rather than increase trade tensions. However, neither government has a political incentive to achieve a long-term durable agreement in the near term, suggesting that substantial trade tensions between the U.S. and China will persist throughout 2020 and perhaps well beyond. Of course, for economists who believe the tariffs are almost always a bad idea, diminished trade tensions only amounts to partial relief from a self-inflicted wound. It's very unclear how the world is any better off today in terms of trade relations than it was four years ago, even with more clarity on Brexit, the USMCA and a phase one trade agreement with China. What is clear is how much trade tensions have hurt the global economy in the interim. With the last year seeing declining trade volumes and a global manufacturing sector close to recession. That being said, in November, the global manufacturing PMI edged back above 50 for the first time in seven months, and flash PMI data due out for the US, the UK, and Eurozone, and Japan this week should show a continued rebound, which could strengthen in the months ahead as trade uncertainty ebbs. In the US, the week ahead should see the release of mildly positive readings on manufacturing in the form of the Empire State and Philly Fed service for December and industrial protection for November. Housing starts will likely retreat from their October spike, and consumer spending data for November should suggest a slight pickup in GDP growth in the fourth quarter, from an expected revised 1.9% pace in the third. However, economists will also be looking carefully at unemployment claims and job openings to detect any further signs of labor mar- or future signs of labor market weakness. Finally, it needs to be emphasized that diminished trade tensions are more of a positive for the rest of the world than the U.S., as other countries drive far more of their economic activity from exports. Less trade friction could also lead to a lower U.S. dollar, and a combination of stronger international economic growth and a falling U.S. dollar should be positive for international equities. Consequently, as investors think about positioning assets in 2020, they may want to consider increasing their allocations to global markets, which, after last week, are finally a little less troubled by conflicts over trade. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only. And as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management unless otherwise stated as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you.
J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.